I had a package delivered on my desk last week, two weeks ago, and uh, it was from Lauren Green, the one that is the uh, chief religious correspondent for Fox News. Uh, some of you remember her from Mike Huckabee's program because she's a concert pianist. She's an incredible, beautiful lady. And uh, she sent me a copy of her book, which has been 10 years in the writing. It's called Lighthouse Faith. Well, it's interesting that I was already thinking in this area when I got that book. And I started reading and uh, thinking. And some of the things I will share with you and I will interject along the way were some things that I've just learned myself. And that's what this message is all about in, in my recent series. And, and that is that we never know what another day is going to bring, but you don't want to be walking in darkness when the storms come and there be no light because that is a horrendous experience. And if you've been around that, and we all have, I can assure you that you would not want that to happen to you. Because you see, when you think of lighthouse, you think of the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And when people walk in darkness, they can see a light. Let me read some scripture to you. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Now listen to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And my favorite one is 1 John 1, 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The only way to live a life without darkness is to have the light with you at all times. And the Energizer Bunny is not the answer. Batteries won't do it. Coal oil lamps won't do it. But Jesus is the light of the world. And if you're not prepared for the darkness, you're going to be in a panic. And some of you didn't prepare for the darkness, and you're in a panic today. Some are in the church. Some are out watching and listening by the media. But the point is that the Lord has warned us over and over and over that the storms are coming. We've just got through the season here in our city where they're beginning to say, hurricane season is here. That means there might be a storm. Are you prepared for the storm? Have you gone to the grocery store, you know? So don't ever think for a moment that God has given up on you if you're already in the storm. If the storm has already come, 
The bad news has come from the hospital. The word is out that your job is gone. The love of your life has passed. Just rest assured that it did not slip up on God. And if you were not prepared for those divorce papers or those termination notice or that examination report, you're in the dark. But now listen, today I'm hoping that in the next few minutes that I can say something that will help you to understand where the light is and how you get there so that you'll be ready for the storm. Have you noticed that lighthouses, and by the way, there's some fascination that some of us have with lighthouses. We don't have that many of them down here. You go up the northeast coast and all that, there's a lot more of them because the seas get a lot rougher and so forth. But here's the thing I do know from the few lighthouses I have visited, they're put in very specific locations, carefully chosen. They don't just go out and say, I got a piece of land, let's go build a lighthouse on it. No, there's a special spot. And that spot is where it will do the most good in the time of storm. Or when the traveler has lost their way and they cannot find their way home, they can look to the lighthouse or look for the lighthouse. And if the lighthouse is putting out its light and it's able to penetrate through the darkness, then you can find your way home. Merchants and fishermen and tourists and sailors, they're all beneficiaries of lighthouses. Churches are lighthouses. There'll be a man here in the next service that many of you met Wednesday night. He will be here at 11 o'clock. Last Wednesday, he was on his way to take his life. And he came by here. God touched his heart. And by the way, he's the son of a preacher, okay? He was raised in a Christian home, but he got some bad news. And in the dark moment, started running like Satan would want him to run, but God got in his way. And he saw the light. And it's awesome what's going on in this man's life. In the last week, not 2,000 years ago, just a few hours ago. You see, the lighthouse is still important. The light is the first thing that was created, right? It was darkness, and then what happened? Let there be what? Light. And it's all the way from Genesis to Revelations. Never think for a moment that God has not put a light in the world for those of us at the time we travel through darkness, when we can't see the future, we can't understand it. A lot of times, the lighthouses have sirens, horns. In other words, you can't see it, can't see it for the fog. Listen, be still and know that I'm God. Thank God for microphones. Thank God for amplifiers. Thank God that he's made amplifiers that some of you have trouble sleeping because an amplifier just keeps you awake. But you know what? That's a good thing. That is a good thing. The Lord wants you to see him and hear him and be still and know that he is God. See, our danger today is that we're, we're losing our way. 
Families are losing their way. Nations are losing their way. Education is losing its way. We're out in the darkness and we can't seem to get focused as to what we're supposed to do. Gordon Lightfoot wrote a song containing the following lyrics. Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes into hours? Oh, I wish it'd pass. I wished I could get through this. I wished I could get over it. It's been so long, but yet the love of God is still there. It's waiting for the moment to reveal itself in the way that only God can reveal himself, but we have to be still, the scripture says, and know that he is God. The name William Walford may not quickly jump into your mind and say, yeah, I knew him. He was a blind man. That probably doesn't help you to know him. But he wrote a song. This may help you to know him. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne make all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. What was the blind man saying? He said, I can see because I can pray 24-7 in the darkness and I can pray to the light. You see, that's the way God works. God shows himself to anyone that's looking for him. And he says to that person, if you will allow me to lovingly but firmly set you free, I will. Some of you may have fished enough that you've gotten a treble hook hooked under the skin on one of your fishing trips. I'm here to tell you it isn't fun while Bubba's trying to get it out with some rusted pliers. But when he gets it out, you will love him like he was a neurosurgeon and you were in the medical center. But sometimes that's what God has to do. He has to put us through some pain in order that we appreciate the peace that passes all understanding. You know, that word seas of life that people say that we find ourselves in the different seas of life. I thought about the word season. What are the word? What's that word? Seasons. Summer, fall, winter, spring, right? Why do you think we have seasons? Why don't we just pick one and stick with it? I'd pick spring. I don't know what you would pick. Maybe early fall. But we get that word seasons and we divide up the world in seasons and we have this season and that season and so forth and so on because the world changes every day in the sense that we will never ever have tomorrow again this is the day the Lord has made 
Tomorrow is not promised. None of us know what another day will bring. And we talk about seasons and we talk about waves and we talk about lighthouse and water. Have you ever seen the waves? They kind of do what? Up and down and up and down. And when the waves begin to start up, what does everybody say? Look like the wind's blowing. Look like the waves are coming up. Maybe we better get to the port. Maybe we better get in. Maybe we better pull up the anchor and get out of the storm. Well, how are you doing today? Well, I'm having my ups and downs. Are you having yours? I bet you are. I bet you can look back over the last 30 days and said, I've had my ups and downs. I had my good days and the bad days. On one day I got on the freeway, there was no traffic. The other 30 days, it was terrible. But thank God for the wave. I had one good day. But you know something? The only place you're going to find, and I'm going to find perfect peace and perfect joy and perfect happiness is a place called heaven. And until we get there, it's going to be like this. And there's darkness and there's light. Isn't it interesting that even in the the world was created in darkness and the Lord moved on the face of the deep and he said, let there be light and there was light. But then we have darkness. Now follow me. What brings on darkness when the light disappears? Do you agree with that? For my science friends, is that okay? But we wait for the sun to go down and the darkness comes when the light leaves. And yet we are drawn in our life to run to darkness. At nighttime, there's places of darkness where all the folks that are in storms can run and have a place in a dark room in a dark situation where sin is rampant and then they hope they'll wake up the next morning and still be alive. As we rate the return of Jesus, who is the light of the world, as Christians, you don't, you don't want to find yourself walking in the darkness. If you walk in the darkness, you're going to take others with you. If you're walking in the darkness, if you believe the Lord's coming, you want to get out of darkness and get into the light. And you want to walk about and, and you know, when the Bible says in Genesis chapter one, verse three, and God said, what? Let there be light. You know what I call that? I call that the big bang theory. I want to sound intellectual. But if I understand the Bible, one day the God that created the darkness just flipped a switch. And just like that. Wasn't even a sunrise that morning to brag about and make pictures of. But the darkness became light. Do you know that's what happens when you get born again? Your darkness turns to light. Things you've never seen. You're focused on, oh, I would have never known. You mean that's what you had planned, Lord? I cannot believe. I was willing to settle for this and you had that for me. Yes, but you wanted to stay in the darkness. You did not want to leave that. You wanted to walk in that darkness. Salvation is the same way. That's the first birth. I mean, when you're physically born, when little babies are born, well, let me tell you about this little baby. 
I was born in St. Joseph Hospital, January the 14th, 1941. Are you ready for this? You'll want to put this down in your diary. At 10.04 p.m. You notice it was a moment the first time I was born. How do you get born again in a moment? In a twinkling of an eye. Jesus comes in and the light switch comes on. And now you're walking in the light. All of a sudden, what you could not understand, you can understand it. And that Bible you can't find, the Holy Spirit will lead you to it that you stored 25 years ago when you got out of high school and just threw that away and started the way of darkness. It'll come back to light. And you'll be able to experience again what has been experienced through the ages in a split moment. You must be born again. You remember the story. He said, do I have to go back to my mother's womb and have that split-second birth? No. It is instantaneous. You confess sin, you walk in this way, you repent of it, and you walk in this way. Now, you're walking in the light. Here, you were walking in the darkness, and the cliff was just a little ways ahead of you. What makes a difference? Jesus. This is not a complicated sermon, folks. Jesus is the light. He is the way. He's the truth. He is the life. And he is the light of the world. There are no others. Anything artificial that makes you feel good is not of God. Jesus is the light. Life is too short and too valuable as I look at it in my limited time based on the time that God created the heavens and the earth, that I'm not going to argue about how long has it been. I really don't care. But what I do care is who did it. God did it. God spoke this earth into existence. I'm not going to argue with you about, was it 4,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago, 400 million years? I don't care. I'm not interested. I don't keep that kind of counter. That's in the past. I just want to know who did it. Because I'm pretty impressed with who did it. And I thank God that I found out who did it when I was seven years old. And I've never doubted that. And neither have you if you met Jesus. When you met Jesus, you never are the same again. Your life is totally changed. You don't run to the crowds. You run to the closet. And bow your head and ask God, speak to my heart, Lord Jesus. Turn on the light. I'm looking for the lighthouse. I'm out here in the sea. The the storms are rampant. And the waves are crashing over the jetties. And I need you to hold me. Take me. Use me. We live in a day where more people remember Charlton Heston than they do the Ten Commandments. They try to Memorize all of them, all 10. Why are you doing that? Well, if I think if I memorize them, I don't have to obey them. That seems to be the philosophy to me. I know a lot of people that know all the 10 commandments. They just don't keep it, maybe two. But they're doing better. It was only one 18 months ago, so they're moving in the right direction. But you see, the 10 commandments are not there for you to memorize. They're not there for you to put on the wall. They're for you to put in your heart. 
And then when you look at them, you will see them begin to unfold as only God can make it happen. Every time a person meets God, the biggest need in your life or my life has been met. That's the one thing that's available to every one of us, regardless of our age, our bank account, our pedigree. If we can get to him and experience him, we will have seen the lighthouse and we can find our way home. I uh, learned a new word in my study. I'm going to try to read it so I say it right. Bioluminescent. Pretty good, isn't it? Did you know that many of God's creatures possess that? Do you know there's a lot of things like fireflies that have their own light? Did you know that there are a lot of sea creatures that have that kind of light? But he didn't give it to people. Now, we're supposed to be the highest creation. Why do you think that he didn't give it to us? Just a thought for you. Maybe he wanted us to keep looking for the light until we found the light, and where the light was is Jesus. Amen. Because he knows us well enough if there's somewhere else to find the light that we'd do it. Or if we could just find our way around because we have that... Uh, bioluminescent uh, gift from God so we can see in the dark and we can go around like the fireflies and the owls and the cats and the deer and the hogs and all that kind of stuff, but we can't see in the dark. And the reason is so clear to me. The Lord says, I want you to stay focused on me and I am the light. And when you're in your darkest moment, come to me. I will show you the way and I will walk with you through it if you will obey me. Amen. I remember the first time I saw a bat at night. It's unbelievable. I said, I'd like to be able to do that on the freeway at night. <laughs> but you know what? God didn't give that to me. We need Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I hope you'll find this as interesting as I did. Genesis 1, 3, you ready for this? And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let me skip through 66 books of the Bible. Let me go to chapter 21 of the book of the Revelation. Verse 23, and the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Amen. You get it? You start in Genesis, you go to Revelation, and it's light, 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 light. And it's Jesus, 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 Jesus. Amen. And that will never change. But in that we were created in darkness, sin. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because of that, and we're in that darkness and we need the light, we should have no options except Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Hell is dark. Heaven is light. Read it. Read it. 
Why is hell dark and heaven light? Because Jesus is there. The Father's there. The Son's there. The Holy Spirit is there. So what's the true light? What makes the difference in any illustration we want to pick? What makes the difference? It's the presence of Jesus. How do you get out of darkness? How can you have your blind eyes open and you can see the danger of this now? You couldn't see it before, but now I can see it. How do you do that? You don't go get another degree. You go to Jesus and let him lead you. I really believe that that's probably the number one thing the Lord allows to get us to him is that darkness. If you're out on that tempestuous sea right now and your boat's about to sink and you don't know what you're going to do, you're getting closer and closer to the rocks. Maybe you can even see the rocks now. You've gotten your warning. The letter has come. The call has come. The situation has happened. I'm beginning to see. I got this in the mail this week, and the bank doesn't paint a very good picture. And I got this memo at work that there may be a cutback. And I have a phone message here to call the lawyer. And it's not my lawyer. Let me tell you something, folks. God says to his kids, come to me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But that's to God's kids. But you got to be one of God's kids, and that means you have to be born again and confess that you are in darkness and you want to get out and come to the light. God is the light of the world. Let us bow down before him. The Ten Commandments are one of God's lighthouses. They can destroy our journey and our purpose for living. The lighthouse, high tower, beacon of light, put in the right place in order that those in the storm can find their way home. Do you remember that event in Exodus chapter 24, verse 17? And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel, the bright light, the fire pointing them to the commandments and to the word of God. Everywhere I have been in the Bible, it's the light, the light, the light, the light. Whether you're on land or sea, whether you're high or low, can you see the light? God's law given to Moses was announced out of a consuming fire on Mount Sinai. There is the purpose of light to eliminate freedom, to eliminate joy and happiness and assurance and all of our commandments being memorized quickly. Number one, no other gods before me. That's verse three. No graven image. No misusing of God's name. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Honor your parents. Do not murder. 
do not commit adultery, do not steal, no false testimony, and do not covet. You know what? When any of these two through ten, any time that that commandment is violated, it's because we broke the first commandment. No other God before me. Does that make sense to you? If you have no other God, you don't have to keep the others in memory. God will do that. He will lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But you've got to let go and let God. Because you see, our relationship with God will be determined by everything else in our life. How do we handle death? How do we handle sickness? How do we bankruptcy? Go on, put the list as long as you want to and put your need on that list. But just don't have any other God. Just follow him. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't let the world tell you what's going to happen. Let go and let God. And when we come to see the light of God's love, we'll see righteousness. We'll see grace. Yes, we'll be seeing the commandments kept. But all of that begins to come into place. I have a, I had a dear friend for many years in the ministry. For over 40 years, Dr. Jim Reimer and I were close friends. We met at school and we liked to hunt and fish together. And, and my brother in Christ died about four or five months ago. And uh, he had on his left arm, he didn't finish the eighth grade, but he ultimately got, got a doctor's degree and was one of the greatest preachers that I've ever heard in my life. I put him in the top three that I've ever heard. But Jim had a tattoo on his arm. And uh, by the way, he was ashamed of it. He was ashamed of the tattoo. Here's what it said. Mi vida torcida. I asked Roy Gale what that meant, although I thought I knew, and I was right, thank God. In Spanish, that means my twisted life. That was before Jesus. That was when he's in darkness. That's when he was going about and his life was falling apart. But several years later, by the grace and power of God, his life became untwisted. And he became a phenomenal preacher of the word of God. Something interesting that he had with him in his home. He had a picture. And it was a, a uh, reproduction of a very famous painting. And it was a picture of a lighthouse. And in that lighthouse... It was obviously the storms was raging. But in the door of the lighthouse, there was a silhouette of a man safe inside the lighthouse. It was literally the story of his life. God wants to get you to the lighthouse, to the light, to him so that you can be everything God wants you to be. Amen. Last week, I spent some time with another preacher friend, 
As we get older, we're able to share a lot of information with each other about what's happening and so forth. Preachers ask that question, how are things going with you and so forth. So Dr. Tom Elliff and I had some time together. Uh, Dr. Elliff has been here at Sagemont. He was a leader of the International Mission Board, pastor for Southern Dell City, phenomenal man. And his wife passed away two and a half years ago. So he's one of my mentors. And so uh, this week, uh, we met over in the Woodlands. He's in Conroe at Mims Baptist Church, as interim pastor right now. So we met over there at a place called the Republic Grill, and I can tell you where it is now. It took me about half a day to find it going over there. But <laughs> I was sitting there, and I was just asking him to share with me, as I have on two other occasions, what have you learned? You know, it's always good. If you're going somewhere, if somebody's been there just ahead of you, it, it just helps, okay? I wish somebody had been to Republic Grill before I started over there. <laughs> but he shared something with me, and I'm fixing to put it on the screen because it can be personal to any of you. If there's ever been a time when you found the storm bankrupt, bad health, whatever, name it. And you needed a lighthouse, you know. You needed to know, where can I find the light? How do I handle this? And Tom said, John, he said, I pray several times a day this prayer. And I want to put it up on the, on the board. You read it. God, by your grace, I pray that my conscious awareness of your present, presence would grow larger than my conscious awareness. And you fill in the blank. You fill in the blank. Whatever it is that needs to go there. Look at that. Think about that. You see, if you'll just stay in touch with the light, the things on this earth go strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Amen. So maybe you right now would just like to, I'm not going to ask you to bow your head because I want you to look at it word for word. So let me read it while you read it. I'm going to read it quietly. I want you to read it quietly. And when I get through reading, I hope that I'm not a fast reader and have left you. I don't think I have. You decide what you're going to fill in the blank with. What is it? What is it about that? The awareness of God's presence. He that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. It doesn't mean you forget the one, but you want to be conscious of his presence when you walk through the valley of the shadow of whatever. So you know what you want to say? Let's say it together out loud. You can fill it in the blank quietly or out loud. Let's say it. God, by your grace... I pray that my conscious awareness of your presence would grow larger than my conscious awareness of Beth, absence, John, Joe, whatever. You see how the balance comes there? We'll never be able to forget the past, but we better never forget that Jesus is alive. 